Good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. It's been three weeks, two weeks, two and a half weeks. Three. I think it's been three. Three weeks. I think it's been three because like two. Whenever we would have done this before, I had the flu, the actual. The flu. flu. Do you have your calendar there? I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling mine up too. Um. Anyways, I'm gonna pull up podcasts here and see what we've got going on with our podcast. Yeah, Voice of the Valley. November November sixteenth was the last one we did. That's three weeks. That's three weeks. We're so so sorry. This is three weeks. Three weeks in the in the. The Puritans would have said we were providentially hindered. This is true from doing the podcast. This is because we certainly didn't. It wasn't our plan to be so unreliable. Yeah. Well, what happened? One one more than the other. I had the flu. Yeah. You guys have been just the paradigm of health. Yeah. It's been fun. Be to be so healthy. It's been fun to be super healthy, yeah. No, it's been it's been a rough couple of weeks. Um I feel terrible for you guys. Yeah, no, it's great. The flu was like a vacation compared to what you guys are going through. Yeah. Yeah. So we got let's see, we got R S V um three weeks ago, I think. And then and you then had like three days of health and went to Disneyland. Then we went to Disneyland, which was fun, which was a good time. And then we got back and then strep throat and a stomach bug. So that's been... You guys need to do better about choosing your souvenirs when you go to (laughs) vacation. (laughs) Yeah. How many rails um, in the lines did did, um, Millie lick? Uh, Millie, none, but Penelope... Penelope... (laughs) This was one of those parenting moments where you're just like, oh no, uh, we were, we were over in California Adventures or something like that, and it was late. Like it's just been a long day. Kids are tired, and we're walking around, and we look behind us, and Penelope is literally just licking a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> no, and people are just walking no by, like making the most like. What? Judgmental faces towards us, and rightfully so. But um, did that really that it happen? Really, it really did. Like, what was on, it about like, the trash can that I don't? She she hit an all time low at that point, which is why we got <laughs> sick oh, the I'm way that we did. The wrong kind of chills right yeah. now. Oh, so that's maybe where it that, all began. That's where it all began. Yeah. So people usually put their strep on, on the trash can. On the trash can. Yeah, that my child licked. Oh. So. Anyways, that's I'm gonna it. have a different. I'm gonna talk to my kids before we go. I think they're past the licking trash can <laughs> stage. I mean, which is one of the reasons we're going when they're older. Um, but yeah, yeah, lesson learned. That was uh, well. We're back now. Uh, yes, we are. We're back. And maybe it's cold outside. I. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. That was the wrong Christmas song to, to bring into this no, was... situation. As you can see, we're a little rusty. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Yeah. Are we still doing listener questions? We are. We're still we're still working our way through the questions. I think that's going to take us well into New Year's, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah I people keep, still been... I keep getting more, which really? is good. Yeah. I I'm kind of curious. Any that you haven't told me about? Well, I got one, I think, on Monday... I think. Is it a juicy one? It's, oh, it's juicy. 
It has a lot to do with you, actually. That's not true. No, it doesn't. But people don't care. People don't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're still getting questions and, and we encourage you to continue to send those questions our way. We're more than happy to answer those. Rick's more than happy to answer those. So continue sending them our Today's way. It is mostly you, man. I, this, I will not touch this question. This is all you. <laughs> <laughs> I already told you that before. And I, this That's is. That's a breach of contract. No. This, we, were, we talked about this with the Q and A's. We're just going to have a discussion. Okay, well, you can discuss with yourself this question because I'm not answering it. Like Smeagol? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Gollum. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> a question. Oh, boy. Okay, maybe not in the voice. Maybe not in the voice of Smeagol, but you can converse with yourself. So little harbutters. <laughs> There's little trash cans in Disneyland. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> no, this is a great question. Um, yeah, this is a really good question. It says, for people that are mentally impaired and can't necessarily comprehend the gospel message, what happens to them? Are they destined for hell or is there some exception? Oh, that's a great question. Whoa. Yeah. That's a heavy one. That's a heavy one. You should have told me that we were doing this one before we sat down and pressed record. I literally emailed it to you. No, you didn't. You forgot to do that. No, I, I Pull it up right now. Check your emails. I did. Check your I checked emails. them all day yesterday. I checked them all night. I checked them this morning. Yesterday at 11.30 a.m. Yeah, so that's not true <laughs> at all. So you want to check your sent folder and see if it's in there? Yep, you did do that. I'm t- <laughs> oh. Wow. Okay, let's start over. <laughs> I uh, I stand totally corrected. I forgot how quickly I deleted that email. <laughs> it was so quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, Rick. <laughs> so what does happen, Jer? Since you've been thinking about that longer than I have, I no, forgot you got your, you got your notes, you got your book in front of you. You're you're ready to answer this question. While okay, you, while you're texting, All right. I did. I thought about it last night. I thought about. Um, I think the first thing we want to talk about is is the fact of the fact is that it's probably not coming. This isn't probably coming out of nowhere for whoever's asking it. I think they've they probably have either family member or friend or or they work with people who struggle who are mentally impaired and mm. that's a very real i think that the category we have to put that in is suffering um because and just acknowledge just the gravity of the effects of sin um we wouldn't we would never look at mental uh, mental impairment and say hey that's a sin issue mm. like it's not it's it's in the category of illness mm. it's it's something in the brain that's not functioning whole right it's the brokenness of the curse, and um, and that's something that we ha- we want to ask. Well, how does Jesus minister to people who um, who are suffering with physical brokenness throughout the Gospels? Um, and how would you, I mean, how would you characterize his attitude and approach toward those people? What does he do? Is that a question for me? I hope so. Yeah, uh, he shows uh, kindness, love. He's caring. 
he ministers to them. Um, yeah, he's he's a loving savior towards them. I agree with that. He is he heals, right? We mm-hmm. see him healing people who are suffering. He takes um, uh, an angry approach with Pharisees and Sadducees who are self righteous, um, who mistreat and ignore um, those who are physically broken, and he has compassion on those who are suffering. Um, and ultimately, he dies. He dies for our sins, and one of the effects of his death is what we actually just sang on Sunday, in joy to the world. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, Mm -hmm. which means that one day, mental impairment is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. The question, though, is when that happens, um, what is going to happen to those who... In this, on this side of the eternal state, uh, did not, um, did not have the ability to understand that Christ came to defeat death, to pay for our sins, and thus they could not exercise faith mm-hmm. toward Him. Um, what um, remind me of how that question was worded? Does is the, do they yeah. say is there an exception? Um. No, that it's it's just uh, for the people who are mentally impaired and can't necessarily comprehend the gospel message. What happens to them? Are they destined for hell, or is there an exception? Okay, so let's deal with the exception part. Um, is there an exception for people other than through the gospel for having eternal life? And and I think we can unequivocally say the answer is no. There is no exception to the gospel is the means by which anybody will be in heaven. Um, we know that. I mean, there's Peter comes right out in Acts 4, 12 in his sermon, and he says, <clears throat> he says, there is there's no other name given under heaven by, by which we must be saved. Mm-hmm. There's no other name. And so if mental impairment and the inability to believe in the gospel isn't a hindrance to eternal life, then what we know for certain is that that eternal life is granted only through the gospel. Yeah. Even though somebody who doesn't have the capacity to believe it can't lay hold of it by faith in the way that you or I or our children might. Okay. So there's no exception there. Um, and that means that if the mentally impaired and let's listen, let's put this category, let's expand it for a moment. Young children are in the same situation, right? Um, Several years ago, we had a dear woman in our church um, who who was mentally impaired, hmm. and she had we you know it was very evident that she had the mental capacity of like a seven year old, right? Yeah. Um, and so we we automatically include we we even think about mental impairment in terms of of childhood, and when you have someone who can't even comprehend the gospel and lay hold of it of Christ by faith, we're talking about young children hmm. level here. So what happens to infants? young children and the mentally impaired, are they condemned to hell? And together with um, uh, just countless saints and theologians throughout church history, I I do not believe that for a moment, um, that they're condemned to hell because they can't believe. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we're going to flesh out here. Um, But I I believe that Scripture gives us an abundance of, of, uh, an abundant reason 
to abundance, sorry, <laughs> abundance of scriptural evidence mm-hmm. for believing that God has mercy on the mentally impaired um, and on children who cannot comprehend the gospel and believe. Yeah. And that's what I want to kind of look at look at now. Yeah. What do we got? We have the, uh, well, the gospel. The gospel. Which is that Christ died for sinners like us, right? God became man in the second, the second person of the Trinity. Um, the eternal son of God became man in the incarnation so that he could live a perfect life as a human and who's also fully God in our stead. And mm-hmm. as our substitute, give us his righteousness, mm-hmm. die for our sins, the sins of his people, and showing the victory um, of his death, he rose from the dead. And that that changed everything. And one day, that victory um, is going to come to consummation when Christ returns. Um, and and that which is broken is going to be made whole. Yeah. There's going to be a new heavens and the new earth, a new, a new creation. And already, um, that victory is breaking in and gaining ground. And the church is growing. And it has been for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And yet we still very much deal with indwelling sin. We very much deal with the effects of sin and brokenness. Mm-hmm. And um, and even though we are at a place where we have better medical technology than ever before in human history, um, it's so woefully inadequate. And death continues to take 100% of those who, <laughs> who yeah. live. Yeah. Um, but one day that will not be the case because yeah. Christ has raised. He's the first fruits of those who have raised from the dead. But when when it comes to judgment, when it comes to the wages of sin is death, when it comes to those who do not believe, um, we have to ask, on what basis does judgment come? Because we know that 100% of us, um, children of Adam and Eve, are sinners by nature. That includes the mentally impaired. That includes pre, um, pre-born children. That includes infants uh, who have never done anything good or bad, except simply, I mean, they simply exist. They can't do anything good or bad. They are just, they were, you know, they're very young. They're crying. They're doing what they do, which is not a moral reality yet. Um, and yet they're sinners. You know, David says, in sin did my mother conceive me. From conception, mm-hmm. we deal with sin. But when we see judgment pictured, it's universally based on our bad works. So we could say, and this is the way it's been put by others, um, we're saved by grace, but we're condemned by works. Mm. Uh, let's look at, at Romans 1 for a moment. This is, this is one of those places that is critical to this discussion. Um, in Romans 1, Paul's talking about... Um, about the judgment of God, the wrath of God revealed from heaven. He says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's works, right? That's works-based. The wrath of God is revealed against unrighteousness, ungodliness, the suppression of truth. Now, what's the basis for that condemnation? Well, their works of unbelief and unrighteousness and truth suppression are the result of their denial of what is clearly perceived. So in verse 19, he says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So Paul's saying all people are without excuse because they can see, uh, even just in creation, they can contemplate the fact that this didn't just happen. Like it's it's ingrained in human intelligence that that there's a creator God who made all of this, to whom we are accountable. He's eternal. He's powerful. Those are the things about God that are revealed in nature. Now, can young children, um, can mentally, severely mentally impaired people understand that? They can't. So they, they don't have the cognitive ability to see what nature's clearly preaching. Mm-hmm. But it's those who can who... Paul says, are without excuse. Because, why? Why are they without excuse? Because, verse 21, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Now, the mentally impaired and very young children, um, they don't have the capacity to glorify God in response to what is clearly seen. Right. So, at least on Romans 1 basis, they wouldn't fall into the category of those against whom God's wrath is revealed because they're without excuse. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I'm not saying, and this is super important, I'm not saying that they don't have a sinful nature like you and me. I'm not saying that they are um, deserving of heaven. They're they're children of Adam and Eve. Adam was our federal head. He, when he sinned, we all sinned. Mm -hmm. That includes the mentally impaired Mm -hmm. and those who are conceived, you know, yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. But my point simply is this. The basis for judgment is the denial of the truth and its suppression in unrighteousness, a category into which we cannot place the mentally impaired. Yeah. Okay. Now let's go to the great white throne judgment, that great final judgment before uh, which all sinners will stand and receive the sentence of eternal death. Okay. Um, would you, are you um, in Revelation? Would you be willing to read Revelation 20, verse 11 through 13? Revelation 20, 11 through 13. Then I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no peace was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Okay. So what is the basis of the final judgment? (coughs) You had just read it. It's according to what they had done. Um, the version I'm holding yeah. right now, the New King James, says um, they were judged according to their works. So judgment for condemnation is on the basis of works. Salvation is on the basis of grace, which is going to move us to the next layer of our question, which is, um, does God have grace and mercy upon the severely mentally impaired and on young children? Hmm. And what I'm saying is that even though Scripture doesn't come out and give us a 100% clear answer on that, the overwhelming evidence, I would suggest, is that yes, he does. Hmm. Because 
um, one of how he treats those people in scripture. Mm-hmm. Number two, his character as a God who saves. Mm-hmm. And number three, what he explicitly says about how much he does not delight in the judgment of anybody. Mm. Okay. So, so we're going to look at a God who, who has compassion on sinners, a God who, when he comes to earth as man in the second person of the Godhead, um, is tender, Hmm. merciful, uh, and even, even with those who are physically broken because of their sin, like, uh, I think there was a blind man who it was because of his sin that he was blind and, and, uh, blind, you know, these, these are the people that Jesus goes around healing. And that's a very significant fact because it's, it's why he came. He, he didn't come to heal ultimately. Ultimately he heals as a signpost to why he came, which was the redemption of mankind, which is going to trickle into the groaning creation being made new, right? Which is going to include the death of mental impairment, right? And the death of death. Yeah. So in Jonah, in Jonah four, one of the bases of um, God's having mercy on this wicked city of Nineveh, which was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which is you know arch enemies of Israel. So Jonah, when he's going getting sent there, people think he's just a grumpy pants having a bad day. Right. I think he's I think he's at a minimum politically motivated to realize that these are the the political um, superpower enemies of God's people who would, if given the opportunity, um, massacre them, which yeah. ends up happening yeah. with the Assyrian invasion of Israel right. and Israel's captivity to Assyria. So you can understand why Jonah doesn't want to go into that city and preach a message of repentance for forgiveness of sins. Because if Assyria is forgiven and God doesn't judge them, then Assyria lives to see another day in mm-hmm. which they can come at, come against Israel. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. that's part right. of what's going on here. Right. But 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 Jonah does go. God gets him there, um, and he he preaches very minimal minimal message from what we've got recorded, and and Assyria believes. They repent. And God has mercy. And then Jonah throws a temper tantrum. And at the very end, the Lord says, "You you, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh? That great city in which are more than 120,000, this is a big ancient city. (laughs) There are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left. And also much livestock. (laughs) It's like God cares about the cows and the sheep. God cares about the farm animals. Because why? He made them. He cares about all his creation. But specifically, what does he say? There in this big city... There are, there's 120,000 young children who can't discern their right hand from their left. Mm. That shows God's compassion to those who, even though they're not innocent, ultimately, because they have a sin nature, God sees their inability to comprehend as a basis for pity. Mm. In Jeremiah 19, 4 through 5, um, he even goes so far as to call, um, call children innocents. Um, he says, uh, because they, and he's bringing, um, he's bringing charges against the wicked of his people. And he says, because they have forsaken me and made this an alien place because they have burned incense to other gods 
uh, whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known, and have filled this place with the blood of innocents. They've also built the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak, nor did it come into my mind. See, these the Israelites had gone so far as to sacrifice their children and people who were not guilty. And, and God calls them innocents. Now, in an absolute moral sense, are they innocent of all sin? No, they're not. So it's not a question of do they deserve heaven? They don't. But God himself makes a distinction between those who who high-handedly, intentionally sin, who, who can comprehend and make these moral decisions of rebellion against God, and those who cannot. Yeah. And God calls them innocents. In 2 Samuel 12, <clears throat> I'm just building a case here. I'm almost done. David's son, um, from his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, what happens to the child? He dies. He dies. And David stops fasting. Mm-hmm. He fasted for the child's life that God would have mercy. God says no. The child dies. He gets up. He clothes himself. He goes about life. And his servants say, hey, What's basically what gives? Um, this is the time for mourning, sackcloth, ashes, and fasting. Mm-hmm. And David says, "Well, what can I do? I mean, like, he he's gone." And then the critical thing is, he says, "I will go to him, but he will not come back to me." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, where's David? Even though David is guilty of murder and adultery at this point, he repents. So here's a question for you on the fly: Where's David going when he dies? Uh, to heaven. He is. He's going to heaven, right? He's going to the presence of God. Yeah. And he expects to see his son, who has a sin nature because he's a human, <laughs> yeah. in heaven. Yeah. Because he expects God will have had mercy on this boy. He is not. He has no works to be judged on the basis of. Right. And it's not that he is innocent, ultimately, but... We see we see this overwhelming pattern. Our judgment is on the basis of our rebellion, mm-hmm. which is born out of and is evidence of our sin nature. Mm-hmm. But we see God being tender, compassionate, merciful to people who are sinners, who have a sin nature, yeah. um, and yet they are at a, a mental state and a developmental state where they don't have the capacity to, to sin the way the rest of us do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm not saying they're not sinful. Like, I know someone's going to miss that point, even though I've said it 15 times. Right. That's not what we're saying. Right. We're saying what Pastor John essentially said uh, when he dealt with Mark 10, 13 through 16. Let the little children, Jesus says, come to me, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. That word little children um, includes infants. In fact, the word has, if I remember when I was looking it up when John was preaching it, that word primarily has reference to infants. So we're talking young children, and mm-hmm. we're going to include the severely mentally impaired in mm-hmm. that same developmental category. Yeah. And when we, so when we, when we take those lines of evidence, those pictures of the mercy and compassion and love of God, and we pair it up with the basis of judgment being works. And then we look at Ezekiel 18.32, where God says, I take no delight in the death of anyone. And then we take Second Peter 3, 8 through 9, where 
where Peter says in answer to the question, well, why, why isn't Jesus coming back now? Like why we're undergoing persecution. It would be very nice if he would come back and deliver us. Peter says, um, don't think that the Lord is slow as, as you count slowness. He's not, but he's giving opportunity to believe mm-hmm. because he does not desire anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. Mm-hmm. And I believe based on the larger context of Second Peter that he's talking about um, all of his elect. Mm-hmm. So it's for the sake of all those for whom Christ died that he hasn't returned yet because they're still elect who haven't believed, yeah. who would be condemned if he came back today. Yeah, but he right. can't condemn them because he died for them. Right. So he tarries because the church will be full yeah. of every soul for whom Jesus died. So when we take those three, those are the three basic reasons, I believe, that the mentally impaired are not condemned, like the severely mentally impaired and young children are not condemned to hell. It's not because they deserve heaven, but it's because judgments on the basis of works, which they can't, which they're not committing in that way with high-handed rebellion. It's based on how God treats young children um, and the the physically impaired the ment or the mentally impaired through scripture it's uh is his character is the god who saves yeah. who delights to have mercy who does not delight in judgment yeah that's why i think it's just it's clear spurgeon went so far in speaking of the death of children of young children particularly but again we're going we we definitely include the severely mentally impaired in this category um he says that just based on that fact alone, if it's true that God has mercy through Jesus, it's, remember this is all through the gospel, mm-hmm. on young children who die, seeing how many have died through history, because the infant mortality rate up until relatively recently was abysmal. Right. He says on that fact alone, we actually have the hope, this is Spurgeon talking, we actually have the hope that heaven may be more populated than hell. Hmm. Already based on the death of infants, from every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. There are already people, I believe, from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation glorifying Christ around the throne. This isn't an exclusively future vision. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. This is is the grace and mercy of Jesus on display, and it's a beautiful thing. And so I think this question is important. I think it gives us an opportunity to, to meditate on the goodness and loving kindness of God through the gospel in a way that we oftentimes don't. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do that question. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. I know that we've, we've had this conversation before, at least personally. Um, but that's a good reminder for, for me as we reflect on, on Christ's goodness on all people. Um, and specifically thinking about his mercy shown to, to children and, the severely mentally impaired. Yeah. And I think that speaks so much into our culture right now for us as believers, because, um, we we're we're in a state right now that, um, uh, is making a war on the unborn We're we are a sanctuary state for those who would like to murder their unborn children. Mm -hmm. We, um, we're heading the way that, that Canada has gone. We're heading toward, uh, euthanasia, um, yeah. When things are bad, we we you know abortion for Down syndrome babies is is a is a big deal like yeah. around this world, yeah. and we're just a little bit behind um, where those the countries that have gone there already. We're usually about ten years behind them, um, 
But we as believers have the opportunity to, because of what we've just talked about today and seeing the compassion of God, to be rebuked for indifference toward the mentally impaired or looking down on the mentally impaired or discounting the very young right. as being nuisances. Like, no, this should be a sanctuary church, right? The church should be a sanctuary yeah. for for people from who the world looks down on. Yeah. And I know we've got some people in our church who are... Um, who make who's who've dedicated their lives to caring for those people. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing. So I'd love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a great question. Um for the person that asked it. Thank you. Uh it's been helpful for us. Um we look forward to addressing more of these questions in the future. Uh next week specifically on this podcast. Look forward to being back with you and this Sunday as we look at week three of the Advent season. Church, we love you, and we'll see you on Sunday.